So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into the message this morning. Lord, I pray that these are your words. God, I pray I do not preach opinions. I don't preach something that just sounds good, but God, that, that this is your truth. This is the truth of your word, Lord. And I, and I pray that, that you, everyone who's here, Lord God, and you know you brought them here for a reason, that, that they hear what you brought them here to hear, Lord God, that they leave truly knowing that they heard from God, not just a pastor, Lord. And so would you speak clearly this morning and speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're in this series on the Beatitudes, or the Blessed R's, if that sounds better to you. I don't think it does, but that's, that's a way to think of it. And this is a challenging series. It's a challenging chunk of Scripture, because as we said, this is, this is a sermon that Jesus gave to his disciples. There was, there was a crowd of people, and Jesus kind of went and said, no, I want to teach, I want to start speaking to my, my inner circle. These are the people that I'm calling to do real ministry. This isn't just for the masses. This is for people who are going to be called to do real ministry. And just like I said before, you, if you're a Christian, are called to be a disciple. Nobody's called to just be a face in the crowd, right? In the same way, you are called to do ministry. Do you guys know that? You might not be called to be a pastor, you might not be called to come up here and speak, but everybody who's received Jesus as their Savior is called to ministry because that word ministry just means to, to serve, to use what you have to offer for the good of God's kingdom. That's ministry. Jesus never differentiated someone who taught for someone who used a different gift. It's all ministry. And so this is Jesus talking to people who he is calling to ministry, which if you've received Jesus, that's all of us here. We're all called to be disciples, not just members of the crowd. And we're all called to do ministry. And, and for some of us, it might just be in our, in our families. You guys remember um, when we had the testimony of Marty and he said, I know I was called to be a dad and my children are serving God because I took that call seriously. We're all called to ministry. So I'm going to bring you to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And, and to, to get everyone kind of caught up, first of all, Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who those that know that of themselves they don't have enough. None of us like to feel that way, but he said those are the people who are going to receive the kingdom. And then he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. And so now we, we move on, and he says this, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So the Beatitudes, as I've said, there's kind of this pattern of the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed, which means happy to be envied are these people. And he says something that doesn't make sense because usually those people aren't happy. But then he says, but here's why they're happy. And there's kind of three parts to it. And if you take the middle out, it always makes sense. So if I were to say, blessed are those who are shown mercy, You'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Blessed are those who, who receive mercy. But he actually says, blessed are those who show mercy. And it's that middle part that usually trips us up. It's the middle part that's difficult because for the most part, it goes against what we've been taught our whole life. And, and part of the reason we struggle with this, whether it's last week talking about being meek, 
is a lot of these characteristics that Jesus says, be like this, because this is how I was, we perceive them as weakness. So it doesn't compute because we're like, Jesus, you're asking me to be a wuss and that doesn't feel right. You know, blessed are the meek. That doesn't seem right. I feel like I'm, I'm called to be strong and, and courageous. But the more we understand what that word meek means, we understand you got to be strong before you can even start to think about being meek. And mercy is the same way. It's easy to look at someone being merciful as, as someone who's just weak, someone who doesn't have what it takes to do what needs to be done, someone that, that just doesn't go all the way that they need to go. But that is not what mercy means. And if we look at just the biblical definition of mercy, saying what does mercy really mean when the Bible says the word mercy, what does that mean? In an easy sense, it's relenting from punishment, or really easy, just forgiveness. You guys know that, that mercy and forgiveness in the Bible are often interchangeable. They'll use the same word that's translated here as mercy as just forgiveness. It's this idea that someone wronged you. Someone deserves punishment. You have the right to punish them for what they did, and you have the authority and the power to do it and you choose not to. You choose not to punish that person who deserves it, who wronged you, when you have the power to do it, right? It's easy to say, I'll be merciful when you don't really have the power to do it. But this word mercy, it implies you have the power. You could really let them have it. Their head is on the chopping box, and you have the ax, and they wronged you, and they deserve it. And choosing to relent choosing to not make them feel the punishment that they deserve. And Jesus says, blessed are those people. Happy are those people. Those are the people that you should envy, are the people who show mercy. And he says, here's why. Because they will be shown mercy. And this is something we don't like to talk about. Because we don't like this idea that, well, we have, kind of have a responsibility to act a certain way. Otherwise, there might be some uncomfortable consequences of it. But this is something that Jesus says quite a bit in his ministry. And I'm going to bring you to Matthew chapter 18, because this is one of those places where this word is translated sometimes as mercy and sometimes as forgiveness because they're very interchangeable. And it's this parable of the unmerciful servant. Have you guys ever heard that parable? Um, you may you maybe did, but I'll, I'll give you a brief fly overview of it. This is Jesus teaching. And he said, imagine this. Imagine there's a king and somebody, a servant of his or, or just someone underneath him, owed the king an amount of money that they would never be able to pay back in their entire life. They could work their entire life and they would never be able to pay back. So you guys can do the math. It's, it might be different for each of us, but what amount could you owe that you would realistically say, I could work the rest of my life and I will never be able to pay this off? That's what he owed to the king. So he is not in a good spot. And he's pleading with the king for help. He's like, I, I can't pay this back. Show me mercy. And again, at this time, there's no bankruptcy at this time. There's no like, well, I'll just take a hit on my credit score. This is, if you owed money that you couldn't pay back, you were either going to be a slave for the rest of your life or you're going to be thrown in prison for the rest of your life unless somebody could pay it back for you. That was your future. So this, this person is desperate. They're begging because 
They have no options. They have no choice. It says the king had compassion on this person and forgave them all the debt. You don't have to pay me back. It's done. It's gone. Can you imagine how you would feel? Can you imagine the relief, the, the freedom, the, the idea that I actually have a future? I actually have something, this punishment that was waiting for me, that I had every right to feel. I borrowed the money. I couldn't pay it back. Is, is wiped out. I'm free. Can you imagine that feeling? And it says that person went and found somebody else who owed them a very minuscule amount of money, an amount of money that really in the long term wouldn't have even mattered. In a couple months, they wouldn't have even thought about that amount of money. But that person couldn't pay them back. So the first person threw the second person in jail because they couldn't pay that person back. Can you imagine that? You just got forgiven a debt that you'd never be able to pay in your entire life. You were, you were looking at slavery for the rest of your life, prison for the rest of your life, and you got it canceled, free and clear. Don't even think about it. And you go and you throw someone else in prison because they owe you a very small amount. That's terrible. And Jesus is telling this parable. And, and those of you who are perceptive probably know what he's talking about. The Father forgave us. We owed a debt we could never pay. Our righteousness was never going to be enough. We could never overcome our sin, and we had every right for punishment for that. And God had compassion on us and forgave us. And yet, we struggle to forgive those who have wronged us in a minuscule amount compared to our sin. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. He says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So what ended up happening is the king got word that this servant that he forgave threw somebody else in prison for such a small amount. And the king brought the first servant in and said, Look, if you cannot forgive, then I'm going to throw you in prison. Because if you cannot show mercy then I'm going to let you feel the consequences. That's tough. That's an uncomfortable verse to look at. But this is all over in the Bible, and this is Jesus' own words. See, oftentimes we think of like, the Old Testament is all mean, right? The Old Testament is the nasty stuff, but Jesus is all sunshine and rainbows, and it's all happy. It's like, this is Jesus. He's like, look, if you guys don't forgive, there's issues, if you can truly think that you've been forgiven of all of that, that you could never pay, and yet you turn around and hold bitterness against your brothers, that's an issue. And there's going to be consequences of that. And this is all throughout Scripture. The Bible actually says that by the same measure that we use, God uses for us. Now that's a little scary. And that's where some people go, pastor, you're a little too lenient sometimes. Sometimes you got to be a little meaner. And I'm like, I know how much leniency I need. And so I want God to use that measure on me. I, I want to be the one with the most grace because that's what I know that I need from God. And, and this is one of those things that's all throughout scripture is the way that we forgive, the way that we show mercy is extremely important to the heart of Jesus. He, he doesn't mince any words. He's like, if you're mine and, and I forgive this way, I want you to forgive the same way. This isn't an option. This isn't like, hey, it would be nice. This is like, if you're mine, if you are one of my people, you have to forgive. Mercy has to be part of who you are. Because 
We are called to give what we receive. And this is the beauty is Jesus doesn't ask you to give anything that he hasn't already freely given you. If you go back to this parable, it would be one thing if that first servant still owed that massive debt that he could never pay back. Then him holding that against the other servant would kind of make sense, right? Because he's like, look, I have this massive debt I'm trying to pay back. Even though you only owe me a little bit, I need to have it because it's, I'm still trying to work off the debt. But it's once that forgiveness is given and you don't owe that debt anymore, now you are free to forgive the other debt. You have to receive first. And that's the beauty of all this is all Jesus is asking is for you to give away what he's already given you. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. This is Jesus again, and he says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Now listen to this part. Freely you have received, freely give. That's kind of the heart of this whole thing. And so if you're someone that struggles with forgiveness, I'm not saying here today, man, you're just a terrible person and you need to do better. I'm saying you need to freely receive forgiveness before you have forgiveness to give others. Forgiveness doesn't come natural for any of us. That's not something that us and our flesh are good at. That's a supernatural thing that we have to first receive forgiveness. And then we have that mercy to give away to others. But the Bible is really clear. If you're a Christian and you are unable to forgive, and you don't have mercy on those who wrong you, you're not in a good situation. There, you should be careful of that. And I want to be really clear here today. With forgiveness, there are some times where forgiveness takes a while. There's some times where someone deeply, deeply hurt you, deeply wounded you on a real core level, and it's going to take a little time for that forgiveness to happen. You might forgive, and then a couple days later, you realize, oh man, I got to forgive again because this bitterness is back. And if that's the case, I'm not talking about that today. I believe that if, you, if your heart is to forgive, there's patience from God to do that. What he's talking about is a situation where in your heart, you're like, no, I don't want to forgive. I have the right to hold on to this bitterness, and I'm going to hold on to this bitterness, that's showing a major heart issue that Jesus is pointing at and going, you're not going to be blessed. People who can't show mercy are not blessed. And so today, if you're like in the middle of it and you're like, man, but pastor, I'm trying. I'm not yelling at you. I have patience. God has patience. He will help you work through it. I'm talking about if you're in a situation where you're like, no, I deserve this bitterness. I will hold this against that person. And if I have the chance to make them pay, they're going to feel it. That's not the heart of God, and God doesn't bless that in our heart. And here's why. Jesus goes on in the Beatitudes and explains this really clearly. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? Why would he say that? That's such a, a strange verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And how does this connect to forgiveness and mercy. Why, why are these con connected together? So first we have to ask what purity means. Because a lot of times for purity, we just think it means really good. 
And I think that's part of it. Something that's pure is probably going to be really good. But that's not really what pure means. I think at most we would be like, well, purity is something that we talk to youth group people about waiting till marriage. And again, that's good too. But at its very core, to be pure just means to be unstained. To not have things in you that are not supposed to be there. So, you know, if I have a bag and it says 100% pure sugar, what does that mean? It just means that it's only sugar. There's nothing else. I haven't added, you know, 1% dirt in there. It's like this is what it's supposed to be, and it's pure. There's nothing added to it. And so, so Jesus is saying, blessed are those whose hearts don't have a bunch of garbage added to it that are, that are pure. Now, why is that important, and what does that have to do with seeing God? Why would he say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And this is where I think we have a major truth here that we can wrap our head around. Would you say that God is pure? Yes, God is pure. So I want to bring you to Titus chapter 1, verse 15. And this is what it says. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. He's saying to those whose hearts are not pure, they can't perceive even something that is pure. It gets to, let me, let me explain it to you this way. Imagine you're, you're hiking up a mountain and there's a beautiful mountain stream. It's gorgeous. It's ice cold. It flows. It's completely clean. And you can just dip a cup in there and drink it. And it's the best water you've ever had. Any of you guys ever drank water like that? It doesn't compare. There's a, Les, is it in Medford where there's a place like that? Schwamigan, I don't know. I'm terrible at geography. But I've had those places where it's like, this is natural flowing. There's no, it's not, you know, it doesn't need to be purified. It's beautiful. And it's just because it's a stream and it moves. But imagine if I go and about a mile up the mountain, I put an animal carcass in that stream. What's going to happen to any water that flows through that? Even though it is pure at the top, as it flows through garbage, it messes with it. And what you receive at the bottom is no longer pure anymore. And I believe that what what Jesus is saying is that unforgiveness, when you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it's garbage in your heart. Your heart can't be pure if you're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. And even as you try to perceive God, even as you try to see God, if you have animal carcasses of unforgiveness, what, what gets to you is going to be corrupted because you haven't done the work of purifying yourself of forgiving, of showing mercy so that you can perceive. And this is kind of what it looks like. I have a lot of friends who have completely walked away from faith. And when I ask them, they're like, well, I don't want to serve a God that's just judgmental, that's mean, that's just waiting for me to mess up so that he can punish me. And those of you who read the Bible go, well, that's not a good explanation of who God is at all. That's not the truth. But the problem is, as we live lives where we are holding on to bitterness, and the second anyone does anything wrong to us, we're ready to punish them. That's how we're going to perceive God being, because we're going to see him through that lens of how our hearts are set. And this is where Jesus says, blessed are those who do the work 
of, of getting that garbage out of their hearts, for they're the ones who will be able to perceive, to truly see God in his purity. And it's about unforgiveness. It's about mercy. Those animal carcasses that we put in those streams, and then we go, why don't I, why don't I feel God like I should? Right? Why, why, does it, why, why do I feel like God is just judgmental to me? And it's like, well, how have you been treating other people? That's kind of the question because you're probably going to perceive God differently depending on where your heart is at. And I've seen forgiveness and mercy purify people. Have you guys ever seen that? Have you ever witnessed that? I've had people where, where from across the room, you could see their brow furrowed. You could see that they were like in pain and no matter what, they're just never happy. They're always upset. And I've walked with some of those people through forgiving somebody and you will literally see their eyebrows release. You'll see their face release. You'll see the, the freedom that they begin to feel. And it's like they weren't even the ones forgiven. All they did was let go of bitterness. All they did was allow mercy to, to do a work in them, and you see a change. You see their face change. I've literally seen people who had like debilitating illnesses forgive somebody and the pain go away. I'm not saying that's everybody, but I, unforgiveness will wreck you from the inside out. I have seen it, and it will mess with your ability to experience God in the fullness that he desires for you to experience him. Now, again, that's not to shame you because that's not at all what it is. That's to give you some excitement and joy for what mercy can do in your life. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Lucky are those who forgive. Those are the people you should envy because those are the people whose hearts are pure and they can experience God in his fullness because they don't have all that garbage that everything has to flow through. They don't have all that bitterness and unforgiveness that everything has to flow through. But it starts with us receiving. And that's what I'm going to say. Forgiveness doesn't come through effort. It doesn't come through just you being better, you trying harder. Forgiveness comes through your willingness to receive it. And if you're still trying to work for your own forgiveness, you're going to demand that other people work for their forgiveness from you. But when you get to that point where you truly understand, I could never work for my forgiveness. It had to be given to me in a way that I don't deserve, but I receive that and I accept that. Now you're free to give that kind of forgiveness away where people don't have to earn it. They don't have to deserve it. You can give it freely because you received it freely. And Jesus is like, those are the people that are happy. Those are the people that are blessed. Those are the people that are enviable. And there's one more piece to all this. This is the next verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? That's another one of those that just sounds like you're a wuss, right? That just sounds like weak. Aren't peacemakers just weak? They're people who are too scared to fight. But that's not true at all, because this word peace in the Bible means for something to be whole, something to be complete, something to be the way that it's supposed to be, not broken. You know, you have something that's broken and divided, and that's where that peace isn't there. But when something is brought together and made whole again, you have peace. Now, you can look around, and so much of the world is broken right now divided. There's so much division. There's so little peace. 
And for you to be someone who walks into a broken situation, a divided situation, and is the cause of peace, do you think that that's a weak person that does that? Because I would say you need to be incredibly strong and you need to be brave because that's scary to walk into a, a, a situation that's broken and divided and say, I want to be a peacemaker. I, wanna, I want things to be brought back together. But the Bible says those are the people who are called children of God, meaning those are the people who look like God. Because if you say, oh, this, this person must be your child, what are you saying? They kind of look like you, and they're kind of acting like you. And it says, blessed are those who bring peace into situations, because those are the people who look and act like God, and those are the people who are blessed. And this is where it all comes together because ultimately what Jesus is saying in all of the Beatitudes are blessed are those who do what I do. Blessed are those who look like me. I am meek. I am a peacemaker. I am merciful. He doesn't ask you to do anything that he hasn't already shown and nothing that he hasn't freely given you. He doesn't ask you to give anything away that he hasn't freely given you to receive from him first. We serve a peacemaker. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We, we have a gospel of peace, the Bible says. This is, this is our job. But the only way that we can be peacemakers and bring wholeness to situations is if we're merciful. How many of you have seen bitterness solve a problem? Ever. Bitterness only divides. Unforgiveness only divides. I will, I've never once seen unforgiveness cause wholeness in a situation. We will not be peacemakers if we cannot show mercy. But it starts with us receiving mercy. If we're still trying to earn. And, and where I see a lot of people go is like, okay, yeah, I understood I needed forgiveness, but now I'm doing pretty good. Now I'm kind of earning it. You know, I only swore twice last week. I think I'm doing good. I think I'm getting there. And you start to get back in the, I'm kind of earning it. And now you're free to demand other people earn it from you. And that's why it's so important to stay in that place of like, look, forgiveness is free. I didn't earn it. I never could. My righteousness was never enough. Now, do we walk in righteousness? Yes, but it's because it was given to us, not because our righteousness was good enough. And as we stay in that place of joyfully receiving forgiveness that we did not earn, it will make sense to give that kind of forgiveness to other people. Forgiveness without conditions. And it's really hard to do that. But that's when people look at us and say, man, those must be children of God because that looks like what God would do. Because we serve a God that is merciful, that does bring peace that is pure of heart. And so let me wrap this up in a way that hopefully you can walk away with, with, with something clear. By choosing to show mercy, we have a pure heart that can fully experience God and his mercy. The more we experience God, the more we look like him, the more we act like him and bring wholeness to those around us. But it starts with mercy. It starts with forgiveness. And, and that's where if you're a Christian, you have to take this serious. Sorry, didn't mean to get super dramatic there with the microphone. That was an accident. You have to be willing to give away what you've received. That's part of being a Christian is to receive it first and then give it away. 
And so if you give very conditional forgiveness, very half-hearted forgiveness, the question is, what forgiveness have you received from God? Because you may have not received the kind of forgiveness that you really need. Have you received that forgiveness where you're like, man, I didn't earn this at all. You had every right to punish me, and I gave you no reason not to, yet you had compassion, and you gave me free forgiveness to a debt that I could never pay, because then you'll give that kind of forgiveness away to other people. And it's interesting, how you treat others is a really good indicator of how you view God treating you. And so if you struggle to forgive, I would ask, have you truly received free forgiveness, or are you still trying to earn it? And that's not a knock on your character. I think a lot of us, we want to work hard and we want to prove something to God. But if you're trying to earn your forgiveness, if you're like, okay, you gave me a good start, but now I'm going to earn it, you're going to give a very jaded kind of forgiveness to those around you. And it's going to mess with your, your heart. And so today what I ask is that each of us looks really closely at our hearts to say, do I have unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart today? Is my heart pure? Is it, is it really at a place where I can fully see God and experience him without those animal carcasses in the way? Or is there some bitterness and unforgiveness that I got to get resolved so that I can say I've got a pure heart that can see God? I, I, I truly am ready to be a peacemaker in this world. And if you know you do struggle with that, I want to I wanna really, really encourage you. Don't go the shame route. Don't go the fear route. Don't go the I just got to work harder route. Take time to truly perceive the love and forgiveness that God gives you. And let that be what stems it. Make sure you're receiving that beautiful, perfect forgiveness so that you can give it away. So if you'll stand, I want to pray over all of us together. And after I get done praying, I'm going to lead a prayer of just forgiveness. And if you're someone that knows I'm struggling to forgive, you don't have to do it out loud. You can do it just in your heart. But I encourage you to start this work right now of just getting that out of there because you're not going to be blessed if you're holding on to unforgiveness in your heart. So Lord, first of all, I just thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you saw us with a debt we could never pay and Lord, with a punishment that we deserved and you chose to cancel it. You chose to cancel our debt and we are free. We no longer need to answer for our sin, Lord. How unbelievable, how incredible. Lord, I pray that we truly perceive that, that we live in it, Lord God, that we don't forget it, that we don't trick ourselves into thinking somehow we're earning it now. Lord, help us to always remember it was a gift. It was a gift, Lord, that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn. And then, Lord, I pray that we are people who show mercy to others, Lord God, not a mercy that, that we're able to muster ourselves, Lord, but we take that forgiveness, we take that mercy that you gave us that is so pure and so perfect, and we extend that to those who wrong us. We extend that to those who hurt us, Lord God. Lord, it doesn't mean that we're saying what they did was okay, 
It doesn't mean, Lord, that, that they're, they're not going to have consequences even from you, Lord God. It's us saying, but we give up the right to demand it. We give up the right to be the executioner. We give up the right to be the punisher, Lord God. And we say, Lord, you get to be in charge of this. We let go. We let go of that. So, Father, now we're going to say a prayer of forgiveness. And again, I'll say, you don't have to say this out loud. You can say it in your heart. But, Lord, I understand that you have forgiven me. I understand that even though I was buried in sin, your word says my sin was like scarlet. It was blood red. I was stained, and I'd never be able to get it out. You have made me white as snow by your grace, Lord God, and your love. And Lord, I receive that. I receive it, that it was free. Lord, that I didn't have to earn it, that I just received that. And Lord, would you help me in this situation, Lord God, whether it is with a family member, a friend, Lord, a spouse, Lord, whatever it is, would you help me to hand that mercy over to someone else? To, to extend that forgiveness and mercy to this person who has hurt me and wronged me, Lord God, because I desire for my heart to be pure. I don't want that garbage in my heart. I want to be able to experience you in your fullness, Lord, without that muddying up the water, Lord. So, Lord, as, as I freely receive, I choose to freely give, Lord God, in the same way. I love you, Lord. And, and as I do this, Lord, would you help me even tomorrow as, as I struggle, possibly, Lord God, as, as this bitterness comes up tomorrow, Lord God, would you help me to give it away again? Lord, and would you walk with me and just be patient with me, Lord God, as I, as I walk through this? We love you, God. We love because you first loved us, Lord. That's, that's what we know. It started with you, Lord God. Would you help us to give freely in the way that we have received. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen.